So if you haven't heard it already, it's Mother's Day, and we know that. And if you were to interview, I don't know, if, if you were to interview my mom, let's just leave it at that, uh, she would say one of the greatest privileges she had was raising such a fine young man like myself. I was thinking about calling her uh, because she's in Kansas City, and, and, uh, but she's probably out at lunch right now, and they're probably talk she and my dad are probably talking about how wonderful a son I was and how much joy they had in raising me. But uh, my mom, my mom, I have a limited list of heroes, about five maybe, in my life. And my mom is on that list of five. She's a phenomenal lady. She's 78 years old, but yet she is so full of life and so full of, of joy. And one of the things as I look back, and, and the reason why we're talking about this particular psalm today is I believe, as I look back, my mom could have used this psalm in her life an awful lot, Psalm 46. She could use it an awful lot because there's one line in it, and I'll talk about it now, and we'll talk about it later, but it says, be still and know that I am God. I put my mom through a whole lot, and yet my mom continued to be there. She attended every single one of my games. She was one of my biggest encouragers uh, by, by far. Even when I went out of the house or getting ready to leave the house looking like I had no idea what fashion was because I really didn't, my mom would tell me that I still looked great. She probably lied through her teeth when she said that. But my mom, my mom was amazing. She gave her all every single day. She was up before anybody else. She uh, made sure that we were off to school, and, and she took care of us. She worked a job, and she then came home, made sure that we had dinner on the table. She was phenomenal. And one of the things that impressed me most about my mom was that my mom never had a bad word to say about anybody. There could be an axe murderer in our neighborhood, and she would say, John, he's just a little bit misunderstood. It's okay. My mom never had a bad word to say about anybody. It blew my mind. And as I think back to what my sister and I put my mom through, I, I couldn't help but, but realize that my mom many times could have used a big break. She could have used a break in, in the chaos that we, that we brought into her life. But the great thing was this, was that my mom hung in there. And one of the things that I've appreciated about my mom is one of the things that I appreciate so much about God. And it's this, that he hangs in there with us. No, not, that no matter what's going on in life, God hangs in there with us. And I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 46. And listen to these words that the psalmist writes. He says this, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, he lifts his voice, the earth melts. Yahweh Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. 
Come and see what Yahweh has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Yahweh Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Father, we pray now as we take a look at this passage, as we take a look at this psalm, we pray that your Holy Spirit will lead us. We pray that your Holy Spirit will open our eyes, that we can see the truth that is in these words. That you'd open our ears so that we can hear clearly from you what it is about being still that we need to hear. And Lord, that you would open our minds that we could understand better what it means to be people who place their trust and rest in you, even when chaos reigns around us. And open our hearts that we would be transformed in such a way that people would say, that person, that person has a God who truly is remarkable. So Jesus, you be glorified in this. May no one else receive any glory, but may you receive the glory. May people only hear what it is that you want them to hear, that you need them to hear. And we thank you so much for providing what we need all the time. May we be still and know that you are God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the psalmist opens directly with this truth, this eternal truth, that God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. An ever-present help in trouble. He is our refuge. He is our strength. Refuge, what is, what is he talking about when he's talking about God being a rescue? It's anything to which one has recourse for aid, relief, or escape. Our God is so big, our God is so good, our God is so wonderful that he's able to provide a refuge in the midst of all that's going on. In the midst of everything that's going on in life, God can be and should be that refuge. The psalmist, notice the words that he uses here. He says, he's our refuge, he's our strength. What does that mean? It means not that God is some far-off being who's, who's unattached to us, who isn't concerned about us. What he's saying is he's taking it in and he's saying, in the light of everything that's going on around me, I know this to be true, that God is my refuge. He is the one where I can go for aid. He is the one that I can go to for relief. He is the one who provides the escape. That's the type of God he is. And then he brings it even more closely and and more intimately into this. And he says this, an ever-present help in trouble. An ever-present help in trouble. Real quickly, how much trouble are you experiencing in life right now? How much is going on in your life that seems to be out of control? How much is going on in your life that, that and, and, it, and it is out of control, and it's because, it's because you can't control it. You're trying to perhaps get involved in it, but it's a bigger than you. It's, it's, it's a broader, broader problem on what you can understand. But God says this, the psalmist reminds us that God is an ever-present help in trouble. We can sign contracts, but contracts always seem to have a limitation on them. But he is an ever-present help in trouble. Ever-present. I keep saying this because ever-present is a big deal. 
It means this, that God is involved in each and every one of the 31,556,952 seconds in a year. I'm getting better on saying my numbers out loud. I am so proud of my, my mom would be, John, you're doing really well. So, but in every single one of those seconds, there's not a second where God says, I'm unavailable. Not one. Not one. He is available all the time. That means at 2.33 in the morning when you awaken and you can't fall back asleep, that God is present. It means that when you're driving down the road and things aren't going well for you as you're, as you're in another traffic jam on the 68 or the 101, it means this, that God is present. It means that whenever you go to the doctor and you receive word that, that you really didn't want to hear, God is present. It means when you have family members that, that continue to do things that you can't quite figure out why they continue doing those things, and you're crying out, God is present. It means in the workplace when you're having issues with, with a coworker or you're having issues with, 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 uh, with how to get this particular project done, it means God is present. That's the type of God we have. We have a God who is always present. He never hangs, I'm sorry, I'm too busy for you right now. I'll be back in 20 minutes. God never takes a moment off. He's present. And what I love about the Psalms, and I've been saying this for the past few weeks as we've been looking at the Psalms, the Psalms understand real life. They understand it really well because look what happens next. He goes into verse 2. He says this, Therefore we will not, fa we will not fear. Anytime you run into the word therefore, you need to go back up and see why the therefore is therefore. You need to see why it's there. And it says this, because God's our, our, our refuge and strength and ever-present ever help in trouble, we, do, we will not fear. And then he says this, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The psalmist understands this, that this side of heaven, there will be problems. This side of heaven, there will be times when it looks like mountains are falling into the sea. There will be times when the oceans are raging and roaring in your life and blasting those waves up against the rocks. There will be those times. There is no need to look for it. It's there. Right now, at this very moment, there are approximately 40 wars going on somewhere in this world. We fixate on Syria. We fixate on Iraq. We fixate on Afghanistan. But there are far more wars going on. There are wars going on in countries, and these wars have been going on for decades. Afghanistan has an entire generation of people now that has not known one day of peace. They're in their 40s, and they haven't known a single day of peace. Imagine that. 
A couple weeks ago, Venezuela made the news because Venezuela was erupting and, and all the chaos there. People in Syria continue to see family members and friends taken, killed in the midst of all that's going on. And those are far off things. But yet, war is happening. Chaos is erupting. Trouble happens and stress happens in all of our lives as well. Doctors have done some research and, they've, and they've, they've put together a grid and on this grid they gave point values and, and in these point values it, it talks about different things that cause a great deal of stress in a person's life. The number one thing that causes a great deal of stress in a person's life is the death of a spouse or a child within the last year. Some in our midst have experienced that. It's at the top of the list. That is a great deal of stress. The number two thing on that list is, is divorce. We've had some people over the years who have experienced that or marital separation. Family members, and this is number four, family members who have spent time in prison or perhaps you yourself have spent time in prison. That's a stressor. Number five on the list is death of a close family member. Number six is personal injury or illness. If you're married, that's a stressor. Seriously, it says that. I mean, I, I, I mean it's... Thank you. Finally, there we go. Thank you. Somebody is there. I, I, I'd love to say that Dawn and I, but she's in here, I can't lie. So, I mean, we, we, Dawn and I have a, just a blissful marriage. There's no issues whatsoever. Um, I'll be talking. Happy Mother's Day, Dawn. I'm glad you're with us this morning. So, but marriage causes stress. Losing your job causes stress. Being reconciled causes stress. And here's one that I didn't expect. If you've retired within the last year, that causes stress. They have these different point values on all of these, and, and you add the point values together. And I will tell you this, in talking with numerous people in this congregation, you're stressed. You're stressed. You're maxed out. Though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Right now in your life, the mountains are falling into the sea. The ocean is raging. There's a quake going on. There's an earthquake going on in your life and you're wondering, is there any way out? The psalmist would tell you there is. The psalmist would tell you that there is. Chaos and trouble are to be expected this side of heaven. There's no getting around that. When humanity decided to turn away from God, they invited chaos and trouble into this world. And we've been dealing with it ever since. And the psalmist reminds us of that, but then something happens in the psalm, and you see how he's talking about all this upheaval and all this unrest, but then he does what I call the presence pivot. I've been talking about this, this pivot concept for the past few weeks as we, as we look at the psalms, and, and, and as these mountains, sur as the waves surge, and as mountains go into the sea in our lives, we sit there and wonder, is there any help? And we come to this place, and the psalmist gets this. He says, there's a pivot that you can make. 
And that pivot involves God's presence. Verse 3, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Verse 4, listen to the change. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. It's almost as if the psalmist says, yes, chaos reigns. But yet when God's presence gets involved, we can make a pivot. Because when God's presence gets involved, nothing stays the same. Notice what the psalmist does here with his, with, his word, with his wording here. He talks about oceans roaring and foaming, and then the next thing he does is he paints this scene of, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There's this sense of peace. In Jerusalem, there is no river, physically speaking. What the psalmist is writing about is that river is God's very presence breathing into his people. God's very presence doing what needs to happen in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of all that's going on. It is so easy to forget that God is at work. He says there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the, where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and notice this next phrase, she will not fall. When God's presence is available, when God's presence is in our life, yes, there will be issues that happen, but God, because he cares about us so much, he will not let us fall. He will be there to support us. He will be there, and notice the next line, to give help at the break of day. That's the type of God we have. That's why verse 1 is so important. He's an ever-present help in trouble. He won't let us fall. He'll be there at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Yahweh Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Every single day we hear about things going on in the Middle East. We hear about the chaos that's going on over there and we fixate ourselves on the trouble and the issue. But did you know that right now that there are more Muslims coming to place their trust in Jesus Christ than at any other time in history? See, in the midst of the chaos, God moves in. Friends of mine that serve as missionaries in Europe say this to me. They said, they said, we've never seen a movement of God like this among the Muslims in, in all our history of doing missions. We can fixate on the chaos. We can fixate on the trouble. Yet God is in the midst of that. God is in the midst of, of working through that. And the psalmist breaks, and he says this in verse 7. He breaks it to remind us of this. He says, Yahweh Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's the only verse that's repeated. That verse is also repeated in verse 11. It's a significant verse. And in the midst of the chaos, the psalmist realizes and remembers that God is a fortress. In 1517, an obscure Catholic priest by the name of Martin Luther placed his life in God's hands when he nailed 95 theses to the, to the door on the, uh, of Wittenberg Church. 
There was nothing wrong with what he did that was where you would, if you had an issue with something going on in, in, in the public or, or you wanted the public to know, this was like your public, public meeting board. It was like the, the 16th century version of Facebook. That's where you would put stuff, you'd post stuff. And Martin Luther had been studying in his Bible and he had realized this, that the Catholic ceremonies did nothing to dispense grace and the church had no right to sell indulgences. He concluded that salvation was received through faith in Jesus Christ and his 95 theses specified heirs of the Catholic Church in light of personal Bible study. And at that time, to give us context, at that time Catholicism was the most powerful institution in the Western world. There was nothing like it. The Pope not only coronated kings, he could order them to abdicate if he so choose. The power to excommunicate did not so much inspire the fear of God as the fear of eternal hell. Opposition to the church meant the following. You could be charged with heresy, possibly tortured, possibly killed, and certainly you would be excommunicated. But Martin Luther went forward with this. After 10 years of leading the Reformation, a series of health issues began to assault Martin Luther. And in April of 1527, a dizzy spell struck him while he was preaching. And things got worse from there. By July, he wondered if he would be able to live much longer. He regained some strength, but then was assaulted with depression, heart problems, and severe intestinal complications. And in those days, unlike today, in those days, some treatments were as bad as the ailments. At one point, Martin Luther wrote this, I have spent more than a week in death and hell. And some of you in this room right now know what that feels like. And then he continued in his, in his letter. He wrote this. He said, I have labored under the vacillation and storms of desperation, and I've even been tempted to blaspheme against my God. That's how much his life was in a storm, in chaos, and in trouble. And then the Black Plague struck Germany, and his house became a hospital where he watched his friends experience death. And then, to top all of that, his one-year-old son became seriously ill. Martin Luther's life was in upheaval. It was in chaos. He was crying out to God. The waters were roaring and foaming. The mountains were quaking with their surging. And then, in the midst of this, he found himself strangely drawn to Psalm 46. And this verse, verse 7, Yahweh Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This psalm became his favorite psalm. It inspired Martin Luther to write the song that we sang just a little while ago, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Martin Luther understood what it meant to have God as a fortress in the midst of difficulty. And here's a little bit of irony. Martin Luther, who called out the Catholic Church, pins this beautiful hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And here's what's ironic. The hymn was so compelling that ironically... It became a suggested hymn for all types of Catholic masses. 
in the midst of all that was going on in Martin Luther's life, this psalm, this verse, that God of Jacob is our fortress that came to him to remind him that he is not alone. And the psalmist continues on and says this in verse 8, Come and see what Yahweh has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bows and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Our God is available. Our God says, look at what I am doing. I am on the move. In the midst of your chaos and trouble, I am there. I do not stay on the sidelines. So often we want to think that God is far off because if we think he's far off, then we can take this on our own. But the reality is God is in the midst of what's going on. Yes, it's difficult to see at times, yet God does not stay on the sidelines. I want to invite you to direct your attention to the screen and we're going to watch this little video clip of a woman who's been through a whole lot. God does not stay on the sidelines, folks. He knows what's going on. He understands it. And the psalmist then says these words that are so powerful. He says, be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. God in the midst of the chaos, God is, is there somewhere in the midst of it. He's in the midst of the trouble, even though the mountains are quaking, even though the oceans are raging and roaring, even though there's all types of craziness going on in the world, God is in the midst. And the psalmist says this, be still and know that I am God. It's not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. Our addiction to activity and busyness is at an all-time high. And it's only getting more crazy. Pascal, the great Christian philosopher and scientist, said this, most of man's troubles come from his inability to be still. It's because we think that we have to get from point A to point B to point C to point D all the way through the alphabet. And if we don't do it in, in a particular amount of time, we're going to miss out on something. And in the midst of all this, the chaos continues to increase. The volume continues to increase. And in the midst of all that volume increase, God says, be still. How serious is God about being still? Here's how serious he is. In verse 10, the word, the phrase, be still, is not a suggestion. It is a command. Because God understands the way humanity operates, and he commands us to be still. It's a command. We honor all the other commandments, but this one we sort of say, yeah, I'm really not going to go that route. The last time I checked, when God commands something, it's because it's for our own good. 
Therefore, it makes absolutely no sense to me why we would say, yeah, we're good. We don't need to be still. We need to be still. We need to be still. And being still literally means this, to take one's hands off of the situation. Let me be very straightforward here. Some of you, and I'll throw myself in this, some of us are control freaks. And we don't know how to be still. We want more and more control. We want to control the situation. We want to do all of this. And what God says in the midst of it, he says, be still. Be still. Take your hands off of the situation and be still. Be still and know that I am God. So I ask you this question, how will you be still? Let me give you a few suggestions here real quickly. The first thing that I would suggest is the following, flip the switch. What do I mean by that? Turn off your stuff. Turn off your phone, turn off the radio. When you get in the car, don't go immediately to find the right radio station. Don't find out Sirius FM, whatever the case may be. Just simply don't put on stuff. Don't put on the noise. Bernie Krause, who records nature sounds for, for films and TV, was interviewed, and in 1968, he said this, it would take him 15 hours of recording nature to get one hour of undisturbed nature sounds as far as editing goes. It would take him 15 hours to get one hour of undisturbed nature sounds. In the interview, he then said this, now I have to spend nearly two thousand hours to get that same one hour of undisturbed nature sounds we are invaded by noise we are invaded by chaos two thousand hours that he has to edit down just to get one hour of undisturbed nature sounds flip the switch ladies and gentlemen turn off the phone when I meet with people my phone is on silent and, if it, and, and, uh, and I flip it over so that I can stay focused in on that person. Now this has caused some issues in my marriage, I'll just say it that way. So I've learned to keep the face up and if it's my wife or Heidi, it's like, okay, excuse me, I need to talk to them. But folks, turn off the stuff. Turn off the stuff. So that's number one, flip the switch. Number two, ask for help. Ask for help. Ask for help as you let go, as you let go of this, as you take your hands off the situation, cry out to God and say, listen, you tell me to be still and know that you're God. I'm doing it right now. I'm being still. I need to know that you are God. Ask him for help. He will guide and he will direct. And then lastly is this. After you flip the switch, after you ask for help, be amazed at what God will do. We say that we believe that God is in control, but, but for me at least, I'll sit there and say, yeah, I'm going to give you control, and I'm going to give you control. I promise I won't, I won't grab and then I grab it. And then I hold on, and then I realize I've got to let go. I've got to let God have this. In your Bibles, flip to Mark chapter 4, and we'll look at this story real quickly. 
Well, maybe not very quickly, but we're going to look at this story. So we flip the switch. We ask for help, and we, and, we can, and we be amazed at the work that God wants to do. And in Mark chapter 4, we read this story, starting at verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Now, let's get this right. There's a storm brewing. Not just brewing. They're in the midst of this storm. And Jesus Christ is crashed out, and I like how Mark put this, on a pillow in the stern of this boat. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like the storm's raging all around you and Jesus Christ is right there at asleep on a cushion? Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. <laughs> the disciples woke him that takes a lot of guts. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, I've been awakened before from a sleep. I'm not a happy camper at that moment. The disciples say, Don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, and notice the next line, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The psalmist starts by saying that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. But in the midst of all of that, it's real easy for us to forget that He is God. Jesus Christ was right there with them. Jesus Christ was in the boat in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the storm. And the disciples said, don't you care if we drown? Jesus Christ is right there. He doesn't want you to drown. He wants you to be still. He wants you to let go of the situation. Folks, it's not about your situation. It's about God moving you through your situation. Because as he moves through, we realize that we can be still, that we can experience his refuge, that we can experience his strength. And right now I'm going to ask you this question, do you know him? Do you know the one that can walk you through the storms? Do you know the one that says, be still and know that I am God. He can walk you through it and he wants to walk you through it.
we simply have to let go and allow God to be God and watch what he does. Father, we pray now in the midst of the chaos of our lives, it is real easy to forget that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would minister to all of us who right now are experiencing trouble, who right now are experiencing a storm or perhaps even a bunch of storms, that you would shatter the noise in our life and that you would cause us to be still and know that you are God. Help us. We cry out to you because we are at wit's end about what to do. And we want you to carry us through it. So please, Lord, we ask for your help in helping us be still and know that you are God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he understands us entirely. And thank you that he can calm the storms in our lives. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So we're going to sing one more song. And as we sing this song, may we reflect on God's awesomeness. May we reflect on how great he is. And, and perhaps right now as we sing this song, perhaps you're not going to stand up and you just need to be still. And listen to these words. I invite you to stay seated then. But if you'd like to stand and join us as we sing this song, we invite you to do that and hear the powerful words that this song has for all of us. So if you choose to stand, please stand.